0: In this episode, we focus on why it's okay and even natural to go through a season of grief after an autism diagnosis and how to overcome it with a simple change in perspective. Welcome to Embracing Autism, a podcast for parents of autistic children seeking advice and support while spreading awareness and acceptance of autism spectrum disorder. I'm Leah. And I'm Matt. And each week we will discuss our journey with autism and talk about how to embrace your child's individuality while providing guidance, tips, resources, and sharing our personal stories. This is
1: Embracing Embracing Autism. Autism.
0: In our last episode, we discussed the details of Diagnosis Day. So I assume if you're listening to this episode, your child probably received a diagnosis of autism spectrum disorder. If you just received this diagnosis, you undoubtedly are probably struggling with an entire barrage of emotions. I know that I personally felt really overwhelmed and confused initially after that diagnosis. A lot of times, parents will be hit with questions inside thinking, did I do something wrong? Or how could this have happened? Is my child going to be okay? Or even those who think a little long term and are thinking, What's going to happen to my kid after I'm gone? Like, is somebody going to be able to take care of them? Will they be able to take care of themselves? These are questions that are absolutely natural to ask. I personally remember having to ask these questions to myself initially, and a lot of other questions like this suddenly rushed my mind. I couldn't stop thinking and trying to figure out, how did this happen and what does it actually mean? I know my daughter got her diagnosis at 20 months old, so there's a lot of future that I was still not sure about at that time, and it's definitely something that kind of took me off guard. I also had very little knowledge of autism. I I really didn't know anything about it, so my mind instantly and naturally tended to drift towards absolute worst-case scenarios. I started panicking and just feeling a little bit helpless for my kid. I, I didn't really know what I could do, if there was something I needed to do. I simply didn't know what it meant. Now, I just want you guys to know that if these feelings and emotions and lines of thought seem all too familiar to you, I want you to know that these feelings are absolutely normal. It's okay to feel confused, frustrated, upset. It's even okay to feel a little distraught. It's absolutely natural. And and essentially, every parent goes through this. I know when I first learned of my daughter's diagnosis, I really did go through a grieving process of the future that I had imagined for her. And I felt like that future had suddenly vanished.
1: I completely agree, Leah. For me, I guess uh, my grieving process was more on the confusion side. Ignorance is bliss. I didn't really know anything about autism, so therefore I couldn't really be worried about autism initially. But then looking back now, I think that I had two thoughts in my mind. I was worried about fantasy or the future that I had projected onto my daughter and the experiences that I would share with her as her father. And then... I wasn't sure if that was suddenly brought into question where we might not have that future. And then the other thought that I had was any opportunities that I had projected for her for her success, whether it be her going to college or any academics and such. I wasn't sure if that was suddenly brought into question as well.
0: I know that that actually really stood out to me, the education part of it, because we are a highly education focused family. We're kind of Overachievers in that area, it's kind of the area where we really thrive. And so we had already had plans for our kids to go to these private schools and we had that all planned out. We were already looking at schools for them. I mean, we even went and physically toured locations that we were like, Oh, as soon as they hit kindergarten, we've got the school lined up. And we were really excited about it. We had already grown emotionally attached to these schools. So once we found out that our child was autistic and later on that our second child was also autistic, that kind of dashed those dreams. And so we kind of felt a little bit of a loss there. Looking back, it is a little bit silly, but it's really easy to get attached to ideas and the family fantasy that you get, especially as new parents, because this was our first child. So we didn't really know what to expect, and we still had that new parent rush. So we always were kind of like nesting, but projected out into the future, where we're trying to get everything situated and in place for them way well in advance. And because we did that, we didn't take into consideration any sort of wrench that could have been thrown in there. So this was essentially a wrench that was thrown in, but I don't mean that in a negative light. I just mean it in the sense that it was unexpected. And we had to basically find a way to just redirect ourselves and come up with a new plan
1: yeah as i mentioned i had a delayed reaction as far as the diagnosis because i didn't know anything about autism i didn't know what that meant but with her developmental delays if she was lagging behind in certain areas or how that would equate to her moving forward in the future i think it hit me later than i think it initially hit you mostly because i was looking at her and how she was uh, progressing And I think it was the uh, combination of the therapies mixed with her really struggling with getting speech or her language developed. I think it was one of the uh, speech therapy appointments where they mentioned that she should know 200 words at that point, and she (laughs) maybe knew 20. So it was just a a drastic change of where her development should be and where she was actually at. I also think another uh, thing that kind of hit home was just kind of her rigid behavior. She didn't really acknowledge... I guess, me as like her actual father. I guess I want to almost blame Facebook or social media a little bit on this one because I would have friends who are also at the same stage of life, having children who are roughly the same age. And I would see them interacting with their child and the child about the same age, recognizing, oh, that's my, my dad, my daddy. And they would come running to them. And my oldest daughter didn't have that reaction. When she saw me walk through the door, her first reaction wasn't to come and run to me. It was, she didn't even notice that the door was opening and that I was walking in. There was no reaction of excitement or just noticing that I was even there.
0: I can absolutely relate to that because one of the things that I also did and I agree, social media is the bane of my existence, is see other people who had children around the same age. So I had had that child, our first child, at the same time that about 3 or so of my friends had a baby the same exact time, all girls just like mine. And you can't help but compare because they're all posting pictures and videos. And then I started realizing how delayed our child was at that point. I remember one of the moments that I had was seeing the picture of one of my friend's kids helping them bring groceries to the car. So she was probably close to two or so, and she had those plastic bags in each hand. I'm sure it was something really light in them, but she was just holding them and helping bring them to the car. And I thought that was like super cute. And then I paused for a second and it was kind of cathartic thinking, you know, I don't, I don't know that my child will be able to do that. I know that at that time she definitely couldn't. Right now she still probably can't. But at that time it was kind of a realization of the reality is sitting or starting to kind of hit home and starting to sink in a little deeper. And that really made it. A little more difficult to process. I think had we not had Facebook, had we not had comparisons out there, I don't think I would have noticed as much or even really had it, I guess, influence me as much because it really hurt most when I saw potential. So I saw potential of what she could have done or where she should have been. And then when I saw that she wasn't meeting those milestones, That was kind of like a reality check hitting home. So, I know that for me, that definitely was the the social media aspect, was definitely not fun. (laughs) I started looking at it from a slightly different perspective because, like I said, I come from a neurodiverse background and I never viewed myself as having any sort of tragic end or anything like that. I didn't really see myself as incapable or less than. So, I started kind of reflecting on my situation and how far I've been able to come and essentially overcome in my life. And although I went through struggles, I overcame them, and I still made something out of myself. And obviously, I have a family and awesome kids. So that didn't clearly stop that from happening. And so that gave me the energy to essentially start rethinking everything. And really, I like to just switch into thinking about the positive and what my child can do and what they're capable of instead of focusing on the things that she lacks or can't do or is not up to speed with her peers. I know that specifically for me, the one thing I did to really make that switch happen is I started judging her outcomes and achievements based off of herself. So instead of saying, oh no, my kid is behind in whatever a typical person her age would be doing, I would go into her therapies and appointments saying, oh, look at this thing that she just did that she was delayed in two weeks ago, and now she's doing. So for example, if she wasn't able to say papa or mama or something like that, I didn't see it as she's behind her peers in this. I, I saw it more as the following week when she did. Oh my gosh, huge breakthrough. Look at this. She's constantly progressing, she's constantly achieving. So I realized that it was more of a mental journey, kind of like a psychological emotional journey that you need to go through to get over to the other side of that emotional slump. The pessimism really is what it is. It's it's a pessimistic viewpoint to think that because my child has this diagnosis, it's the end of their world or it's worst case scenario. I do understand that there are definitely degrees of disability, And the future outcome for each child can vary greatly from child to child. So there are some kids who have supposedly a brighter outlook than others. Really, I still think that's all a matter of perspective. I know, for example, one of the things that I was thinking about with our child initially was, you know, this just means that we'll get to spend more time with her. If she needs our assistance, I'm, I'm all about having a mama's girl. So I kind of see that as a positive that she'll be around asking for mom's help more often. I didn't really see that as a negative. So I just kind of tried to give it a positive spin.
1: Well, let's be honest.ly Our oldest is totally a daddy's girl, so I'm not sure what <laughs> what you're talking about there. So, no, I think you raise a, a great point, and I, I kind of think of it almost as the therapist mindset, and kind of having her compared to herself and basically focus on her own achievements. So, rather than saying, "Oh, little Timmy is able to do all these fantastic things at his age," I don't really care about little Timmy. He's not my kid, so I can just focus on my daughter. So, in therapy. She was actually falling every time she would walk onto a mat or any, any time she would have a transition from a uh, unbalanced surface. And then as we kept working with her, she got a little bit better and a little bit better. She still, I mean, falls down, but, but she's definitely improving a great deal. Same thing with small things, just as uh, giving us a little bit more eye contact from time to time, or when we call her name, she acknowledges that we're talking to her and we're not just saying random words, so I think that kind of ties into you ultimately have to celebrate the the small victories in life. Focus on the small achievements that they're overcoming, regardless of how small. Celebrate them, make a big deal, and your child will be excited too. If you give them hugs and kisses or tickle them or make a big deal when they give eye contact, they're hopefully more likely to do it in the future. I think another good approach to kind of moving forward is Not necessarily think about the future opportunities as lost that we uh, project for our children, but just think of them as slightly changed. She still has a bright future. No one's taking her future away from her. It just might not be the one that we had initially planned for her. It's just her own path that she or journey that she'll walk.
0: The other thing that I started thinking about is, you know, realistically – our child was going to be autistic, whether or not she got a diagnosis, it doesn't make a difference that she has a label. She's still going to be who she is, and she's still going to like what she likes, and she's still going to dislike what she dislikes. So having that diagnosis didn't really change that. And it took a second to come to that conclusion and that realization that, you know, yes, she was diagnosed, but it doesn't really change what her outcome would have truly been, Her outcome in life would have been probably about the same, if not better now, because with the diagnosis, we can now implement better support systems for her. We can have a better understanding of this. And that means that we can be emotionally supportive of her throughout her life as well. So I had that change of heart and that change of perspective when I realized, you know, she's going to blaze a trail forward and it's just going to be a different trail than we thought, but it's still going to be a trail and a trail doesn't have to be a billion yards long. It could be a couple of inches here or there. It's still a trail and it's her trail. Darn it. You know, like just enjoy it and appreciate the fact that she has this thing that is unique and is her and enjoy, enjoy every moment and just really embrace the fact that she is who she is and don't try to change her. So I, I really had that change of perspective. And then when we had our second child diagnosed, it was completely different. I didn't feel like I had to go through that entire grieving process that I went through the first time. My perspective had already changed. So with the second one, it was kind of like, yeah, okay, we got this. (laughs) And we already have made adjustments to our life. We've made adjustments to future plans, where we're going to live, what school we're going to go to. We've already readjusted all of that. And at first, it was hard letting it go. But the realization was that. The hard part was just letting it go. It wasn't actually doing it. So them going to another school or them being homeschooled, that's not the hard part. The hard part was just coming to the conclusion that what I wanted wasn't going to happen. So it's really all just honestly all in our heads. It's just a matter of really embracing that difference and embracing a new way of doing things, even though it might initially be uncomfortable. Or it might initially be just kind of something we want to begrudgingly do. I would just urge you to do it for the sake of your kid. With that said, I completely understand that a grieving process is part of this. It's really absolutely natural, like I said before. And it's honestly necessary for some people. If you're not the type of person who feels like they need to grieve, that's that's great. But I know for me, I did need to go through a grieving process, and I don't think there's absolutely anything wrong with that. It's just how we learn. I know that when I first learned about my daughter's diagnosis, that process of having that future taken away from me, it really felt difficult to process. It was something that I thought I had experienced a loss in, but it turned out it wasn't a loss. It was just, again, like I mentioned, a change in perspective. I ran into a lot of people that were actually mocking grieving. I know that there's people out there saying, you know, if you're grieving, that means that you're so focused on yourself and you don't care about your child. It's really all about you. But I don't think that's the case at all. I think the grieving happens because you care for your child. So I think that, you know, if you go through a grieving process, it's really a cathartic, really natural and even necessary process to go through in order to be the best parent that you can be for your child. I had run into a really interesting article from the University of Washington Counseling Center, and it had said that grieving losses is important because it allows you to free up energy that's bound to the lost person, object, or experience. And then they further said that we might reinvest the energy elsewhere if we're able to go through that grieving process. But if that we don't grieve effectively, we're not going to be able to reinvest that energy. They basically say that that energy gets tied to the past. So if you don't grieve effectively, you're essentially holding on to that idea. You're holding on to the emotions and the processing that's going on in your mind. and You're not giving yourself the proper outlet to really get that out of your system and just process it all in a healthy, effective way. So go ahead and grieve and just Have that moment and give yourself some time. Give yourself a break to process it, however long or short, as long as it is grieving and, you know, not turning into a depression. If that's the case, that's an unhealthy process. And I would urge you seek some counseling if you do feel that you fall into a depression. But if it's just grieving, that means that it's a season of time that happens fresh after learning this. And then you learn from that, you move on, you pull up your sleeves, and then you start doing the hard but really rewarding work that it is to parent a child that's on the autism spectrum.
1: I know for me that I found during this experience that the best way to kind of move forward was actually finding a social support group of some kind. I think uh, for me it was uh, taking a, a spiritual approach, and Leah actually brought this home to me and focusing kind of on religion. Leah had mentioned early on during this journey that the soul of our daughter could have been put into any other child in any other family, and they might have not had the same resources that we have. But by our daughter's soul being put into her and having us as parents has given her the best opportunity to get the the treatment, the therapies, uh, the love and support that she needs to move forward. Um, there are other social support. Groups that are available. Leah hosts a uh, parenting autism virtual club that meets uh, virtually (laughs) once a month, and the uh, link will be added to the notes of the podcast. There are uh, other resources that are available through your local public school system.
0: Yeah, I actually do host a monthly online virtual parenting club. It's on Facebook, and we will put the link to that in the podcast notes. We meet once a month on Google Hangouts or some other web conferencing format. And it's just a bunch of parents video chatting with other parents. And we talk about our struggles. We talk about our accomplishments uh, and we give each other advice and support and just hang out. There's also other resources that you can seek out in your local community. I know that in my local community, I was able to dig up some parent groups that were available through the local public school system. And I was also able to find other parents who would meet locally, and I took advantage of as much of those as possible. This completely varies from county to county, state to state, so it's really town-specific. So just take a look at your local community, get involved in the school, ask maybe that social service worker she may know of any or he may know of any resources that you have that's local to you. And if your county has something like a Parks and Recreation magazine or something like that, I know that I found a ton of awesome resources in there for activities that are specifically for the special needs community. So I would definitely take a look at all of that and Just try to get yourself involved in a social network so you can feel connected to other parents and not feel so isolated and alone in the process. Because I know that parenting a special needs child can be very isolating, and it's important to make sure that you don't fall into that.
1: My final tip is to educate yourself as best you can on autism. Uh, Anxiety is fueled by fear of the unknown, so if you can learn more about autism, there's less unknown and therefore you're better off for the future because knowledge is power. Um, The best way to do this, I would recommend is to try and seek out uh, any autistic adults. Uh, This can be through Facebook or other social media and just talk to them, just trying to get their perspective on how they see the world. And this will help you in the long run because then you'll have a better idea of helping your child for the future.
0: Another great and easy way to get educated is to start picking up some books on autism, specifically books that are written from the autistic perspective. Those are the most helpful. One of the most popular ones out there is The Reason I Jump. I believe the author is Naoki. I'm not exactly sure how to pronounce the last name, but that's on Amazon and any major book selling store. And that book is told from the perspective of a 13-year-old boy who is autistic. So it's a really good insight. Another book that I was looking into is the More Than Words book. We'll do a little bit more on that in future episodes. But that book is by Fern Sussman. And that book is talking about how to help your autistic child communicate, even if it's just non-verbally. So if you have a child who struggles with communication, that's a great book. I would just look into as many books as possible. The best ones are really, again, the ones that are written from an autistic perspective or from researchers who have worked with autistic individuals who have kind of given them the green light as well. And there are some of those there as well. To recap, in this episode, we talked about the importance of allowing yourself to breathe in order to refocus your energy in a healthy way. We also discussed how social support systems such as our Parenting Autism Virtual Club can be a great resource. Most importantly, we noted how changing your perspective on autism is critical to your family's mental health. Thanks for listening to Embracing Autism. Tune into our next episode where we will offer insights into how to find financial resources and support for your child. We will answer questions such as, is there government assistance available for autism? And are there resources which offer free support? This is Embracing Autism.